In today's episode, we talked to award-winning author Kristen Ward about being a self-published author, being a mom, blogger, and a ton of other things. So I hope you like it. Check it out. Hello. Hey, Kristen. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well. I'm glad we got technology figured out. I do too. This this is a new one for me. I've used Anchor uh, like to do my own recordings, but it's the first time that I've ever tried to use it to uh, do a live uh, call with somebody. But it, it's super simple software to use um, if you ever decide to get into doing podcasting yourself. Um, yeah, I, I was looking at some of the features and it does seem really intuitive and user friendly. And a, a really nice thing about them, too, is it seems like their whole company mission is to keep everything free. Um, so, I mean, as far as usage, I mean, if you can get a free app, you can record stuff for free, have people call in for free, and uh, then they publish it to like seven different of the main, uh, like Apple Store and all the different uh, big pu- platforms, which you don't have to do anything. You just put put your name in and it's done. Oh, that's uh, fantastic. But anyways, enough free plugs for them. They already haven't advertised them at the beginning of this, um, which is a cool thing about them, too. It's uh, like every view, you end up getting about a penny per um, people that listen all the way through an advertisement, which like YouTube and stuff, you got to get like a thousand views for a penny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's a bit ridiculous. <laughs> um, so let's talk about you, though. You are an award winning author, a blogger, a mom. You probably have about eight other titles that I missed, right? <laughs> Indeed, I do. But I, I think uh, many of us do these days because we are constantly multitasking. Um, so author, um, you wrote two books in a year. Um, t- tell me about that. So the my debut novel, After the Green Withered, actually began quite a few years ago. I was um, writing a course in environmental education as a graduate course. And while I was doing research, I you know, was learning about the history of the earth and it was building on content knowledge that I already had as I was coming up with different course materials and course activities. And while I was completing that research, um, a seedling of an idea started to begin to form. And I began to wonder what would the world be like if there was a global drought? Because we have this you know, necessary thing in our life that seems just so accessible here in the U.S. in particular, um, that if we didn't have water, fresh water, um, just for even the simplest things, we would be in serious trouble. Right. So I began to think of the repercussions of that. And so the, the idea was there as I was course writing. And then I taught some graduate courses, so I didn't have time to actually start writing. Um, but eventually I began and the, the, my first book took about five years. <laughs> nice. You know, and it's, it's really because of career and kids and everything else that life throws at you. And because it's like 300 pages, that'll take a long time, even without <laughs> yeah. all those things, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, my, my impetus uh, actually to complete it when I did was things started coming up in the news, you know, environmentally. And I recall vividly when I saw an article on Cape Town and the water crisis uh, and how the prediction at that time was that they were going to run out of water by April. And, you know, it was it was explaining this ongoing drought that they'd had for three years. And I looked at my husband and said, I've got to get my book finished. So that that was really the final push where I began to spend hours and hours um, finishing it up and then going through a lengthy editing process. Then once you publish, 
because I couldn't publish my entire story in one book. I knew I had to get the second one out very quickly. So that's how I managed to get uh, both books written in a year. So you had the first one took a five-year process. The second one, did you start to finish in the six months or whatever it was from the release of the other? Yes, about five months. And it, it's interesting because I, I already knew how the story would end. I actually wrote the last scene first um, and everything was really shaped on that that culminating event in, in the second book. Uh, so it was actually a lot easier for me to write because I knew the story that I needed to tell. Uh, there was just no way I could ever do it in one book. It would have been over 600 pages. And as a new author, I don't know that people would really want to invest that much time. Right. <laughs> so I, I broke it into the two um, because I thought that it would be more digestible that way. And uh, you're making all these uh, key decisions. Are you self-published? Do you have a publisher that uh, you work under? How does that work? Uh, well, you know, we have, we're, we're in an interesting time in publishing and I decided to self-publish. And there are a couple reasons for that. Um, one is, I have a story to tell that I think is really relevant today with everything that's going on environmentally. And I didn't want to go through a process where that story didn't get in the hands of readers just to raise awareness. Um, so I, I wanted to be able to, to get it out there. And the self-publishing industry allows you to do that. There's so many platforms. And you have an incredible writing community of indie authors that are just so supportive of, of the process and people's personal goals. The other thing is I have complete creative control. Right. So the, you know, I go against a lot of tropes in my books and the ending is, um, you know, the way I wanted it. And if I have an editor and a publishing house, you know, they, they're able to put their hands in it and, you know, potentially change the message of my story. And I didn't really want that to happen. I was really passionate about what I wanted to write and how I wanted to tell the story. Now, if I was ever approached by a publisher agent, um, you know, there would have to be some decision making, but it's an incredible amount of work being an indie author, but I'm really pleased with the fact that it was on my terms and I was able to, to make it happen for me. I made a dream come, come true through my own perseverance. Right. You could only blame only yourself, right? If anything didn't go, go to plan. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so with the self-publishing, I mean, you're, if you're writing it, you're editing it, you're doing it every, every bit of it. What part of that um, is the hardest for you or what did you struggle most to, um, to do yourself? Well, I do have an editor. His name is David Taylor of TheEditors.com, and he, he's amazing. He took a look at um, an initial portion of my first manuscript and loved it, and he knew the story I wanted to tell, and he never tried to change anything. He just helped me flesh it out, so I believe strongly that indie author or not, um, you need to have an editor. Right. You know, we, we tend to read our own work and we read it and read it and read it and you don't really see it anymore. So it's really hard to get that outer perspective. So I, I do have um, someone that I just really respect um, looking at the work and he's been fantastic. Um, as far as the, the editing process, it's lengthy and I can tell you that nothing's ever really done. If I go back and reread either book, I know I'm going to find things that I would want to change. And I think that's just being a writer. That's just um, a creative yeah. thing in general. I yeah, think. absolutely. Absolutely. Never how we fully envision, but you know, I, I, I'm happy with, with the story as it came out. Um, the other thing I did was I created my own covers and these, these were things that I started off with PowerPoint to be perfectly honest. I was finding 
um, free images uh, through Pixabay. And, um, you know, I, I had developed a symbol in my book, which is very important. And I had had that on the cover. And, you know, uh, people who were close to me were, are the people that are on the cover. So I, I had a lot of fun creatively with that. And then I did end up sending it off to somebody just to spruce it up. But it was still, you know, my, my ideas and my work. And I really like that it's individual. Um, you know, it's, it's not a, a typical young adult cover. Um, it's just got the feel that I really wanted for the story. It's very stark. So it, it matches the whole tone of a dystopian, you know, story to tell. So the, those were interesting um, parts of the journey, you know, going through the whole editing process, revision after revision, and going through the creative process of the cover. Um, marketing is the biggest challenge, I would say, and what I like least. Oh, you know, marketing's uh... fun. Marketing's where it's at. <laughs> it's a lot easier than writing 300 pages of uh, things that all still make sense as you go start to finish. It, for, for me, it's so much harder. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's when you're an unknown author, it's very hard to get your name in, out there and your work in front of readers. So I, it's been a learning curve and I'm really appreciative of what I've learned thus far, but I know I still have a long way to go. So I, I try to balance that. I try not to fixate too much on getting the word out um, so that it takes over the writing of my third novel. Gotcha. And uh, you, you talked about the struggles of building the platforms of people actually paying attention and all the social media woes. What uh, what are you using or what have you tried to use in the past um, is to get your name out there to build a following? Uh, what I actually started with was a web page. I started blogging. And is that I, the, I uh, writing uh, in my three sons dot com? Yes. Yes. Writing in my three sons. And, and I did that because I just wanted to talk about my life because I feel like if I'm writing a blog or if I'm writing a newsletter, it's, it's a reader's way of seeing who I am beyond the, the pages of a book I'm writing. You know, you, you get a glimpse into my somewhat humorous life with my three sons and a menagerie of animals. And it's, it's a lot of fun to write somewhat cathartic at times. Um, so I started off with that because I wanted that to be a platform for people to go to if they, if they read a book and they wanted to know about me personally. But then I branched out into Twitter and, uh, sadly, this is going to sound so lame, but my first tweet was January, 2018. I, I was really behind. <laughs> <laughs> and from there, my son, my eldest convinced me to, uh, join onto Instagram. So I, I have Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, I write a lot of poetry, so I, I tend to post a lot of poems. You know, Twitter's got some great little hashtags where you can write a poem in 140 characters. So I like the, the challenge. I get to practice my writing chops. And then, of course, I post them on Instagram as well. So I, I love to hear from readers. Um, you know, when, when people reach out and ask me about things, I love to engage. So, you know, if, if you have listeners that would like to reach out um, I'm very accessible on Facebook Twitter and Instagram what about uh, have you ever heard of Inkit I have heard of Inkit but I haven't really explored it it's a kind of a I, I haven't explored it too too much um, but it's kind of a cool uh, idea it's the whole idea is to put your work out there um, either at pieces at a time or um, a work in full and then the community pretty much decides what goes on with it 
Um, the more people that read it, the more reviews that go on it, it gets ranked higher and higher. And then uh, eventually, if it gets in, I forget what the percentage of rankings is, but it goes through their al algorithms. And if the people at Inkit like it, then they end up publishing um, and you actually get like, it's like 60% of royalties and it's actually like not a complete, like horrible breakdown of um, everything. But what's nice is it's a way to build, help build your community and you could use in your articles to then pull them to your webpage or Twitter, or other things like that. Um, seems to be getting a lot of more momentum in the last couple uh, years. Well, I'll definitely have to investigate that. I, I'm so open and appreciative of, different recommendations because there's so much out there and I know a lot of it is not really going to be productive. So to, to hear about a good resource is fantastic. So I'll put that on my list for sure. Yeah. What I like about it is the whole idea of building your community there, but they're not, uh, it's not really focused on sales. So you could also kind of try different methods of, you know, if you're working on a 300 page book or 600 page book and you break it into 10 part stories um, and kind of, put those out there to see which ones get in a little bit more feedback and whatnot, kind of use it as a uh, editing tool in itself. Um, something to think about. Yeah, no, that, that's a great idea. Then you can uh, test out different ideas and different themes. I like um, that. And I noticed on the, you, you have your books listed on amazon.com, which is every author's goal, obviously. Um, but how do you decide pricing? I see that you have uh, your two books are, pretty widely priced for your ebooks and uh uh what is it the paperback covers as well how, right. do, you, how do you determine i definitely get uh it makes sense for the hard copies to be different but what about an ebook do you play with those pricings keep them the same tell me about that um i because i have the first book and second book i have the first book priced at 99 cents and that's really an, an intro price because oh. i know that I don't have a huge readership. So, you know, pe people are not always willing to take a chance, um, especially if you price something a little bit higher. So it's, it's a kind of a give back to readers to say, Hey, take a look. Um, it's only 99 cents, much less All than right. a cup of coffee. And um, the, the second book then is uh, it's a longer book and that's more in line with typical ebook prices. Gotcha. I I also recently um, published a special edition that I put on Kindle Unlimited, which actually has both books. Nice. So, um, you know, for, for people who, especially in, in dystopian YA fiction, uh, a lot of people are on KU. And I, I've gone wide with both my books. So I do have them on, on Nook and Kobo and other online retailers. But I just still wanted to tap into that Kindle, Kindle Unlimited resource so i do have that special edition too so people can read it for free absolutely and out of those platforms uh which one are you do you notice more traffic or better sales out of any given one of those platforms or are they all about the same amazon by far um i think that they are such a, a huge global entity entity that you have people gravitating toward amazon uh, much more frequently than you know, Barnes and Noble, for example, not that those platforms um, aren't, aren't well loved by many readers. I just feel that uh, Amazon has such a broad reach um, that most people tend to gravitate toward there because, well, you can find anything on Amazon. Right. I love Amazon. There's 
Well, you can't find anything, but just about nowadays. <laughs> you can yeah, return it on Amazon. Prime, can... Prime is our friend. <laughs> the two-day shipping, yeah, it's it's a special relationship. It's a struggle with anything that isn't two-day free. If they if any, anything that charges shipping, you're like, I don't know. I'll just wait on Amazon. Oh, exactly. Eventually. That is, that is so me. Yep. <laughs> um. So with all of those um hats that you're wearing, you said marketing was the hardest. You're still somehow working on a third book, you said. When are you planning on yes. that one coming out? Um, my goal is to release that in the spring. I'm thinking realistically after editing, probably May. Um, and I'm about a third of the way into it. I, I need to devote more time to writing. Just the, the weekends and evenings go by very quickly. Um, it's, not, it's not the same storyline. It's a totally different story. Um, but it's basically a science fiction fantasy crossover with an environmental theme. And, you know, I've written a couple poems that I posted on Twitter about it uh, that were inspired by what's going on in the story. And my most recent blog post is also does talk about the, the book itself and the main character. So it's, it's something that I'm having a lot of fun writing. Um, the main character, Taryn, is very much like me. So she... I, I've infused a lot of myself into her and then the, the storyline having, you know, connections with the environment is very much up my alley. You said that uh, you use some of you and your characters. Are there uh, any times that you've had anybody stop you from the friends or family and say, hey, is uh, this character me or anything like that? <laughs> Not yet. I, I've had a couple of friends say um, that they've definitely heard my voice coming out in the writing. Um, but, uh, no, that, that hasn't happened quite yet, but I have other story ideas, um, that I hope to be able to start within the next year or so where, uh, there are pieces of many people that I know. And, uh, you said your voice comes out in your writing. Um, when are we putting out an audio book? You know, I've, I've looked into that a little bit. Um, when I see, I think I was on draft to digital, because I do have my books on that platform. And I looked at the audiobook option. Um, pricing is a little bit out of my reach right now. I know some people record it themselves and, you know, produce it that way. I don't know that I'm, I've got the voice for it, but I'm very interested in entering that arena. I just haven't actually taken the time to really research it and, uh, you know, contact people who do voiceovers like that. Gotcha. Yeah, it, it could be costly to have somebody else do it. And like you said, a lot of people are apprehensive to do it themselves. But I mean, if you could have a quiet room, a microphone, in my opinion, who better to tell the story than the person that wrote it? Or I mean, same too, if there's, um, you know, other characters, you get other people roped and you, you said you got three sons. If there's some male characters, make them give up their afternoon and come help mom. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a great idea. As long as I can keep the dogs from barking and the birds from tweeting, we'll be fine. <laughs> Absolutely. There's there's never a silent. Uh, that's why you just got to put yourself in like a, a, a closet. <laughs> I, I, I need a padded room is, is what you're saying. <laughs> Little recording studio. But you could build a recording studio cheaper than a lot of places are trying to charge to do the same services for you. Something to think about <laughs> if you're going to have a bunch of books down the line. Um, that is a good point. Or something else that I've been talking with uh, some of the authors that I do marketing with um, the podcast realm. If if you could put out, you know, if you have 10 chapters and you put out a 15 minute thing every week, kind of just a snippet of what's coming out or whatever, just to kind of keep people's interest and 
if, if you give that away for free and then we'll wait, wait a minute, I, I, I got to put it all together. Let me go buy the book so I can really know what the story really is all together. Um, just another little one of those marketing ploys just to try to help you out a little bit. Well, thank you. And now that I've got the Anchor app, uh, you know, there are a lot of interesting features on there that I'm very curious about exploring. And I, I like that idea of using it as a good platform for that. Yeah. Or another thing that I've started to try to do is um, all of the blog blog articles that I've been writing. I've tried to do a uh, I've called it blog out loud where I'm kind of just going through reading through the article, kind of narrating any extra thoughts that I didn't include or anything like that. Um, just so that people have an audio version, because like you said, how you want to be on Barnes and Noble and Amazon and those different platforms, you know, not everybody has time to sit down and read 300 pages or read, you know, a 10 page article or anything like that. But if you could have the same thing, throw your headphones in while you go to the gym or driving around, um, just keep, keeps your head, keeps your mind going. And you're like, wait a minute, I, I, that one book by Kristen, I should go get that. I heard her on the podcast and it comes out in March, you know. <laughs> That's that. That's a great idea because you think about all the time that we spend driving to and from work, and uh, there's an opportunity. Yeah, why, why sit in traffic and yell when you can listen to a story, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Keep me from turning the air blue. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have any advice um, being in? Um, actually, uh, before we go to uh, advice, tell me about the uh, what's the award that you won? The best indie something, right? It's the best indie book award. So how, um, how do you get nominated for that or win that or what all uh, comes with that? Well, I had submitted um, my debut novel after the green withered into the contest. And one of the reasons that I looked into contests at all is it's, it's just a great way to get your name out there and hopefully, uh, you know, readers would see that, hey, that this, this person, you know, won an award or this person's being talked about by such and such platform, that might be an interesting book to read. So really it was to, to get myself out there. And also I, I wanted the editorial feedback. Um, you know, I've, I've got what I think is an original idea and I, it's, it's kind of a risk, you know, to, to put yourself out there. I also sent my book off to Writer's Digest and, um, you know, it's, it was really validating when I got the email from Best Indie Book Award. Uh, I was very surprised because it was my first book and I, I got a beautiful trophy. And of course they, you know, talked about it on social media. Um, but it was, it was really, really a nice feeling um, that it was, you know, all my hard work, the, the five years of mulling over ideas and chipping away at the writing was was worth it in that I had a story that has merit. So for me, it was um, a great part of the journey, very unexpected. Um, I also did get some great feedback from Writer's Digest. Uh, they really they really enjoyed the book. Um, it is it is left on a cliffhanger, the first book, um, intentionally. So I think that knocked me down a little bit. But I enjoyed the the really honest feedback that I got from them. So. I have uh, sent both books off to other awards um, and we'll hear, hear from them in 2019. So fingers crossed, uh, you know, at the very least, it's, it's worth putting myself out there and getting some good feedback or just some great constructive criticism. Excellent. And on the constructive criticism note, you set up the transition so smoothly. It's like we planned this. Um, <laughs> 
for the people that are trying to be like you, the trying to get award-winning, self-published, try to get a career going with their writing, what type of advice would you give to whether it's the up-and-coming writer, the guys just starting, or the people that are ready to give up? Well, I always go back to Walt Disney, and he said, if you dream it, you can do it. And I really believe that. Um, being an author is something that I've dreamed of since I was in middle school, and it, it took many, many years to come to fruition, but it was that, that perseverance and not letting go of that dream. And being that we have this amazingly open platform where we don't have to wait on an agent that has a stack of amazing novels that they may not get to in the next year or publishers that have also this huge slush pile, we can go ahead and publish things on our own and put ourselves out there. So my advice is, is go for it. If it's something that you dream of, then do it because you can. The other thing is there is an amazingly supportive writing community. Um, Twitter has a huge writing community and there are great communities on Facebook where people are constantly asking advice and they're sharing things and they're supporting each other with different events um, that are all free to, to authors. And it's just a, a nice group of people that are just open and willing to, to help you out and lift you up. So when, you know, people are kind of feeling down about the whole process, know that you have many, many groups to go to. A big piece of advice that I have for someone who is on the cusp of publishing is going back to the editing. Don't think that you can self-edit. You have to hire an editor. And there are some amazing editors out there. David Taylor of theeditors.com is fantastic. Um, he'll actually look over your first 3,000 words for free and then determine if, if that's a, a piece that he would like to work with you on. But there are so many people um, out there that are very reasonable. Um, I, I just really firmly believe that we all need that outside perspective, um, you know, to, to look at the, the story itself, to be able to analyze not only the figurative language, but all of these different connections that you've made as you've written the story. I mean, does it make sense? Is there anything you need to flesh out? So it's, it's, an, it's a vital part of the process that you know, shouldn't be skipped, whether you're an indie writer or a traditional. Excellent. And to thank you for your time, I like to give everybody at the end of uh, an interview uh, what I like to call the 30-second soapbox. Any, anything that you want to promote, any uh, things coming out, any anything like that, um, this is your spotlight. Well, I'd love to read a piece of the prologue of my debut novel, just to give you a taste. Absolutely. That's all right. Okay. We've all heard the stories of how it began, but no one really knows the truth because no one ever owned up and took the blame. Anyone who was there when it all started is long dead and all that remains is their awful legacy. All I know that is real, true, is that the world wasn't always like this. It used to be green. I suppose the awareness of a looming crisis began slowly, perhaps with a faucet that ran dry or maybe a water restriction where there had never been one. Whatever it may have been, there was a turning point. And from that moment on, the United States of the past disappeared under a burning sky. And you think you can't do audiobooks? That's crazy. You need to go get a microphone and lock yourself in a closet. <laughs> Thank you so much. Excellent. Thank you, Kristen. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Take care. You too.